Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every once in a blue moon, somebody will come up to me and ask me, hey, man, I want to do a podcast. I, you've been podcasting for years. How do I get started? What kind of equipment do I need to get to use? Where, where do I get my podcast but, you know, uh, sponsored? How do I get it hosted, man? And the answer is really simple, Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now reading this ad. So it's so simple, guys. If you want to get started, if you want to do your podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm forward slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm forward slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Hey, it was shaking, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Disjointed Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Germain. This is the podcast where we ask the question, what does it take to go from a nine to five life to one of creativity? I'm not sure if I already said this at the beginning of the interview. That's uh, going to start here in just a moment, but eh, you know, might as well drive the, po- uh, the point home. Uh, guys, before we get into the interview with Patrick Scott today, uh, I'll give you a little bit of heads up here. Uh, Patrick St- Scott is a super, super intelligent, very, very smart, and funny comic here in the Denver scene. Uh, we, I wanted to talk about him and how he got into comedy, but we ended up just talking about pretty much everything else. So be warned, but it's a, it was an interesting conversation. I loved having it. I think you'll love listening to it. All right. Hey, before we get into the beat of this podcast, uh, don't forget, man, uh, subscribe. We need subscriptions, man, either on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, or even better, newly added Laughable. The Laughable app that you can get on your iPhone or your uh, your Android phone. It's a great, awesome app for comedy, especially if you love comedy and podcasts. Basically, when you download it, you can type in the name of your favorite comic, and then the, their, not only their podcast, if they have one, but any podcast that they've been on shows up. So the Disjointed Podcast is on there. i got a lot of great uh, pods on there with you know, folks like Melanie Anton, Jackie Cash, and of course, this week, Patrick Scott. So I uh, just thought I'd let you guys know that. Don't forget to check out denvercomedy.net for all your other great podcasting needs, all free, all available to you. So... Without any further ado, let's get this party started. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to the podcast, the Disorder Podcast. Uh, where we ask the question, what, what does it take to go from a 9 to 5 life to one of creativity? And this week, we have uh, uh, Patrick Scott. Hello. I don't know why I said that like Norm MacDonald. Hey, this week, we got uh, 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 Patrick <laughs> Scott. He's in, the, he's in the studio, you know, and uh, he's talking about comedy. But no, uh, Patrick Scott is one of the, the first comics uh, that I remember 
when I first got to Denver, uh, was about three, yeah, three, four years ago. Uh-huh. And I remember, uh, I saw it like everybody would turn open mic sets. You see some people have good sets or bad sets, but I remember it was at El Chirito and there's a joke he did about, and you don't have to do it here, but, uh, about the Will Chamberlain joke that yeah. he did. And I remember, uh, that was the first, like, holy shit, that is the most clever, most awesome <laughs> racist joke I've ever seen. <laughs> this guy is impressive. And then I always got many, uh, uh, meaning to ask you to be on the podcast, but then just for a while, cause you lived out of town for a bit. Yeah. I lived in Greeley and yeah. Fort Collins. I lived all over the, all over the I-25 corridor. Pretty much. Not very far from that, but other than, you know. <laughs> So, Ten yeah. miles east or west? No, yeah. no, no, no. North, south? Yeah, I'll do that shit. All Literally, day. Longmont, Greeley, Fort Collins. Fucking, I, I'm from Pueblo. I 25 corridor all day. Yeah, Durango. Would eat an my interesting ass. town because that's Pueblo. No, Longmont. Longmont. I like Longmont. Longmont. Well, because my uh, my in laws they live up there. Okay. And I was uh, I go man if I didn't want to be a comedian if I didn't want to be an entertainer if I didn't want to do any of that stuff I would just find a restaurant managing job and stuff and I would find a house up there in Longmont yeah and I would be completely content because that's like a perfect little tiny like little like American town yeah you know what I mean I liked it I think the we were on the non-meth side of town oh, really? so that really painted our opinions we had friends who were on the meth side of town who had uh, a completely different uh, view of Longmont right but I really enjoyed it because we there's not a ton of meth going on but See, I grew up in a small town called Lucerne Valley where that's that's all there was. was Meth. Yeah, meth and alfalfa. Those were the two main exports. Yeah. It's a good diet. Yeah, pretty much. Right? What's that, New Mexico, Arizona? No, that was uh, California. Oh, California. Yeah, that's the reason why I have a hard time playing GTA Five, Because like I was enjoying that game immensely until the Trevor character came into play and then they're up in the desert yeah, yeah. and this guy's just a tweaker is psychotic and i'm like no this isn't fun for me because i knew guys like that hits too close to home yeah exactly i'm like eh, triggered triggered what a great <laughs> review for that game that they got it so right that it fucking oh like, man you got too- dude they got the white trash element of uh gta fucking dead like no that's it that's they, <laughs> they fucking got it <laughs> that's awesome i never played that i've been I've been slowly getting i, I didn't play video games for a while because i was always doing comedy at night so i couldn't play video games that's a smart choice and uh, but I've just been getting into a game called Rocket League, where it's like soccer with cars. Oh wow! Okay. And I've been fucking jonesing for it. Like I, I haven't gotten this addicted to a game since like the original Call of Duty. Wow! And it's really being a problem. Yeah. Like it's becoming. I, it's, you forget it's, things like oh, I should be writing jokes. I should. Uh, uh, and I do be like talking to my jokes. wife. Things like that. Yeah. Well, I make sure my wife always gets the time. It's the joke writing that doesn't get it when stump something eats up most of the time. Mm-hmm. The joke writing uh, gets well. Like I'll still write new jokes or have new premises, but I won't like fucking. If I'm not being the best comic I could be, if I'm not like spending the time writing, I'll just have these premises with tags, but like not work on. Let's fucking like dig into this and figure out whether ways they could go. You know, like and I haven't been doing that the last like two months, and it's really like it's really been bothering me. I I have a bunch of like premise level shit (laughs) that could just use a good like two hours of like okay what can we fucking dig from this right but I work like a nine to five so it's a little bit hard to do that I find there was something that uh, I remember uh, Nathan Lund said on I think it was Talking Shop yeah it was one of the earlier Talking Shops uh, Crawford's podcast yeah and uh, he he says it's kind of like when you're learning another language. You have to, like, if you're going to learn Spanish, you have to learn how to think in Spanish. Yeah. Right? And he's like, after you do comedy for a while, you think in comedy. Yeah. And I've, I've kind of got to that point where, like, my brain is constantly, like, okay, what could be funny and stuff? And I'd see a commercial on TV, and I'm like, okay, and suddenly I'm, like, 
riffing on that inside of my head and stuff and try to come up with different angles and uh yeah if uh my sweetie's around unfortunately she gets to listen to every one of these yeah know. oh my god yeah and that's uh, that's uh, dating or being involved with a comic is very very difficult i don't recommend anybody do it i'm glad that i found a gal that loves me and loves a comedy and all the yeah. other good stuff but man sometimes they're like can you just talk normal for a little bit <laughs> not talk about comedy for like five minutes and see what it feels like well i definitely try not to but like last night, I thought of a joke, and I'm like, I gotta run this past you. Yeah. And what's great is that I really respect her opinion on oh, it. Oh yeah, too. totally. It's like, okay, if you, because she's um, she's she's funny enough to know what's a good joke, but also wary enough of hurting my feelings that she could nail the part where she's like, you don't even need to fucking waste your time. Like so I'm she like, she doesn't go like stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> she just goes like, I know what she. I I think we're on a common enough level where I know she's like, nah, it's, not, it's just not funny. Yeah. Or she doesn't get it. And sometimes I go like, okay, well, I don't trust you. I trust me more. <laughs> but sometimes I go like, oh, she's right. Like immediately. And I don't have to waste time like thinking about it too much. But I, I do, I do kind of think that way. And I don't know if it's good. Uh, you know what? Sometimes I like, if, if I have an idea that I think is really hilarious, like bust, like I cracked up thinking about it. Yeah. And then I'll run it past her, and she just, you know, because she always has that look at, Jenny has that look in her eye, like, she's waiting for something to be really funny. Ah, and when it isn't, nice then. yeah, well, when it isn't, she's kind of like, uh, I'm like, did I not set it? <laughs> what if I said it this way or this way? And she's like, oh, okay, like, what you're trying to get at, it didn't quite register in my head yet, so maybe work on that part. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I, that would be, like, the hallmark of a good premise, but a bad joke, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you have the right angle, but. It's not, you're not setting it up right. There's yeah. not, you know. Or you're the villain. You're like at the beginning, you sound like an ass, so I'm not going to listen. Like you have to make it so that people don't hate you immediately. Right. I have some of that shit where you have to kind of like pander to begin so they don't hate you. I usually throw up a couple of silly because I, I overall I was looking at most of my bits. I'm usually the butt of most of these jokes. Okay. Is usually myself, but the whole thing is, is it like how is it that I, you know, why would I th- feel, you know, be this mean? Like I have uh, my whole racist special needs uh, bit. Uh-huh. Where I actually, like, when I was driving a cab, I'd have these racist, like, teenagers with, like, who are mentally retarded. Yeah, yeah. Or with special needs or different levels of autism and stuff like that. Yeah. And so when they say some, like, derogatory shit about Mexicans, <laughs> it's really hard not to react to it because you're like, fuck it. So then the whole idea, I started playing with the whole righteous anger. Like, yeah, righteous anger isn't always good because, like, nobody's going to cheer you. Yeah. So like, hey, I punched out a racist. That's great. Oh, he was also in a wheelchair. I can't really What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers speak too well yeah like uh wait you did what like and so that's where i was trying to kind of get across and so i found that if i set up a couple of jokes beforehand where they know my point of view about shit first and then i do that yeah then it's more likely to go over it still might not but i remember when i opened with that joke (laughs) yeah holy shit it did not go over and i'm like oh man (laughs) it's definitely i think like the premise is like that's fucking funny but then you have like this minefield of a topic where you're going through it and like any any step you could lose any fraction of the audience immediately and it's such a minefield yeah totally. but that's funny though because like yeah like what if some guy comes into your cab he's a little bit off but totally racist yeah <laughs> like, can you not call him on it yeah exactly <laughs> they're like oh man and i think the answer is you can't 
Yeah. I don't know. I think that's what people would be. It's weird. I think what it, there's a certain hierarchy of PC where, like, yeah. racist you should be able to go after, but what if that person is, is a person of color or of special needs and stuff? Well, then you can't call them. Like, well, what are we fighting against? The racism? Or are we <laughs> fighting against the special needs? Because I'm going to tell you right now, those guys are really strong. But the... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, that's a bad joke. Either way, but you know what I mean is that... I think I make it what I'm trying to make it fun what I'm always trying to make fun of is like making fun of the hierarchy of things that you can and can't say. Yeah. You know, and that um uh sorry, somebody's asking me I gotta forgot to turn my phone off. Sorry guys. Uh but that's what I always find that's really interesting, the type of comedy that I that I enjoy the most, which is why I always enjoyed uh, that particular joke and a lot of other stuff you've said. Is that (laughs) you're you you're really, really cautious about going through that minefield, but you're still going into it. Yeah, but that joke that you, the part that I think you liked the most, I took out because it was such a mind, f- it just yeah. nuked it. And I still think it's a good joke, but also, you're going to lose, especially in this area. I don't know wh- how it would play in other areas, but it lost a lot of people because it was just, it was just plain-faced, absurdist, racist. I right. feel like it was a racist statement, but it was so absurd that I felt it was comedic. Right. But I had plenty of people telling me, like, maybe it's not the way to go. And I still... If I if I know I have enough energy behind me and the crowd's into me, mm-hmm. I'll still drop it and it'll right. be a huge fucking laugh. Right. But if I'm if if I'm that's not what you open with though. <laughs> no. But yeah. I also it was fine. Also, it was like with the whole Bill Maher saying the N word during his show. I had, actually did not pay any attention to that because I stopped listening to Bill Maher a long time ago. Oh, I enjoy him a lot. Right. But it's like, uh, do you want like my friend was like I don't think people should be offended by that word like you're giving it too much power. I'm like, well, I don't think Bill Moore wants to die on that hill. It's right. like, if you want to tell rape jokes, you want to tell or say the N-word, it's like, you can. You have every right to. But do you want to die on that hill? Is that the hill you want to die on? Is that what you want to fight to say? Mm-hmm. And he did it. was just, I watched the whole thing, and it was just him just telling a not funny joke. I was hopeful he was not going to lose his job. I was really worried. Oh, he doesn't give a shit. I, I mean, first of all, that guy could still, like, HBO, he's a he's a he's kind of a cornerstone of that. I'd hope so. Of that network and stuff, but... The whole idea, though, it, this is this is what I find is that the the irony that people will go out. Okay, like Bill Maher has obviously been like before there was any type of Air America, before there was any type of Young Turks, before anything like that. Yeah. The only type of thing, a kind of liberal perspective that you could find on on TV or on cable was a, at a half or twenty two minutes of time with John Stewart. Right, or Bill Maher, and Bill Maher would actually have people that have like these real interesting conversations and debates on his show. Yeah, which I thought like at that time they were the only guys for the most part for a while, and then once like uh, social media really started to kind of ramp it up, and then you started to see more online shows and stuff, then a lot yeah. of that changed. But like I will say that he was still very much a champion of the left for for years. Yeah. You can't say that he's not like so like he said that word and everything. He shouldn't have said it. He's, he should lose everything. I'm like. So, so none of the stuff that he had done before meant anything to you. Is that what you're saying? Is is yeah. that you know not with you particularly, but I'm talking about as like the folks yeah. who like who are, you know like campaigning against it. I'm like, okay, said not a funny joke. If you don't like it, then guess what? Don't listen to a show. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's a lot of things. There's guess what? There's a lot of things like Fox. There's a lot of shit I really really don't like on the Fox Network or even on various other shows. Guess what? I don't listen to them. They're advertising the, the the money that their advertisers are spending on that show is wasted on somebody like me. I watch a lot of Fox News because uh-huh. I feel like I, the thing that I don't like is people making opinions about things that they don't really know. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people shit on Fox News mm-hmm. 
because, like, they say, like, because I'm super liberal. Like, I was a Bernie Sanders guy. Yeah, me too. But I like to watch Fox News because I like to disprove some of those people who say that it's not a legitimate news source. Like, if you don't watch primetime Fox News, Mm -hmm. which is just really slanted, like, it's just a news channel. And I feel one of the dangers that's happening now is people villainizing the media and saying they're worse than they are. And I'm like, the media is as bad as you want it to be. If you're just reading stuff that you want to hear, mm-hmm. it could be as bad. But if you're like watching CNN during the day and MSNBC and Fox, I think you could get – it's going to be slanted, yes. But I think you're going to get good news. And I feel it's really dangerous the way things are pe- going where people are like, fuck the media. Like, you know, like I think that's a bad direction to go. Yeah. I, I yeah, You know what? I agree with you on that. I think uh, – by the way, I think there is also a difference between the – the actual, like, the reporting that they do versus their op-ed guys. Yeah. Which is most of it in the evening. It's mostly uh, uh, opinion pieces for the most part, like Hannity and all these other guys. They're, they're strong, man. Like, when I when I do that argument, because like, yeah. I think I really do feel that way. You need to expose yourself to things you don't think you'd agree with. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how much you do agree. But, like, when you watch Hannity or even Rachel Maddow, mm-hmm. it's hard focus to whatever direction that network is going. Yeah. I'd say avoid that shit because that's the most sensational uh, but other than that, I think you could you could notice what slanted it. If you're fucking educated and want to know the truth, mm-hmm. I think you could see the way they're slanting it. But I think one of the things that uh, reason why I stopped listening to Bill Maher's podcast, or because uh, I used to listen to it on um, the podcast version of it, since I didn't have HBO. That's cool. They do that, right? And uh, when actually it was podcasts like Kevin Smith's and Joe Rogan's and stuff like that that kind of got me away from all that. Not that they ever said, hey, you shouldn't listen to it. Yeah. But what it was is that, like, uh, there was this libertarian uh, candidate who's running for Congress. It was uh, something, it had a funny last name, Seaman. And it was I think a, I remember this guy. Yeah, it was a young guy and stuff. So I'm listening to it, and I don't agree. I, it's funny because I went through the whole three hours where I'm like, I emphatically don't agree with this guy. Oh, wait, now I see what he's saying. Yeah. But then I was like, I still don't agree with a lot of his points, but now I know where he's coming from. Yeah. And I don't, I, w- I would be less likely to just immediately throw up a wall and be like, fuck this guy because he's a libertarian. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, oh, I learned something. I, I actually grew from listening to that conversation. After a while, real time started to seem like, uh, like just basically one applause break after the other. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, hey, we all agree with this. Hey, yeah, yeah. It's... It's like when you see an applause comic. Yeah. You know, like, hey, guys, isn't Trump an asshole? Yay. Hey, who here is for equal rights? Yay. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where, like, and that when he does disagree with somebody, like, he's so condescending and arrogant. (laughs) And like, oh, please. Like, I fucking love. Really. And it's kind of like, dude, dismissing somebody's point like that. Is a great way to win points in an argument, but it does little or virtually nothing to actually solve or uh, to create a solution. Yeah, like I, like I actually, I'm a big fan of Bill Mars, right? And I, uh, he's the biggest asshole in the world. Right. Like that's his biggest thing. I think he's a he's a funny comic, and he's a, I really enjoy his show. I think mm-hmm. it does a good value, but he's a giant asshole. And I'm like, I always fight that where I'm like I know I can never hang out with this guy. Oh yeah, he's a giant asshole. But I think he's also being honest most of the time when he says stuff. Because, like, during the Obama administration, I stopped watching it, too, because it was too, like, like why are you guys, like, too liberal, cheery, like, very yeah. one-sided? But now, I think he's um, he's getting hurt by the over-liberal, like, you know, people don't like you know, the safe spaces group of the liberal right. left. And, I think that's and he's of, fighting against those people. Dude, there was a great, uh, I'm going to, uh, not just because I want you on the show, Tyra Vera, but 
uh, he had a great episode with. Uh, let me look up the person that uh, that Tyra Vera. Yeah, Tyra Vera. Oh my god, this guy is one of the most brutal freaking comics. Oh yeah, uh, he is. A, he's a he's a gay Latino comic. Nice. He's but he's an amazing <laughs> comic first and foremost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this dude, um, he gives zero shits about what anybody says. Okay. Like he will. He will, oh, um, I don't want to start talking about like his actual bits and yeah, stuff, but. Um, the episode is called You Just Have to Look Into Your Heart with the guest Melissa J. And it's on iTunes. Look up Unbothered, Ty Rivera. Unbothered. Guys, check it out. Yeah, it's, okay. it's fucking great. And uh, Melissa J is a transgender uh, comic. And yes, and Ty Rivera has been, uh, been accused of being transphobic and yeah. all this other, th- and homophobic and yeah. racist yeah. and all this other stuff. He's like, oh, why? Because I don't act the way that, you know, white. Uh, you know, white liberal men think I should act. Oh, fuck you, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he had. It was such a great conversation and stuff. Is because, uh, and I'm gonna. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna. Sorry, I had to stop and start for a second, guys. But no, I think one of the points that he was making is that, that I think that the younger uh, generations they don't necessarily have quite the the perspective of how bad things used to be. And so they have a tendency to think they think that things are worse than they are, and they're still bad. There's still work to be done, but they think it's it's some of the perspective. I don't know. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. I, I, you know what? I am butchering this thing. I'm not getting this point across. Well, it just sounds like that's the argument that any older generation would have of any younger generation is right. they don't know what we know and they haven't seen the world that we've seen. Like, it seems like if you ask somebody who's 40 years old 20 years from now, they'd have the same answer about young people. Not understanding how things used to be. Well, the diff- well like no, I mean, they're talking happens. about true, but I would think I would I would argue that the reaction, like uh, maybe because we didn't have access to social media, like my, my Gen X generation did. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't have a, so we weren't starting boycotts when somebody said something that we didn't agree with. We didn't try to get uh. them fired and ruin their entire life and everything or drag their name to the mud and accuse them of every little thing. You know what I mean? I wonder how many people do that. Like, say, the people that got offended by Bill Maher and mm-hmm. might have threatened his job online. Like, how many people does it actually take if you're a broadcaster to threaten your job and career? And how easy is that to create? Like, 3,000 people hashtagging something? Are you going to qu- are you gonna have to... Oh, dude, this is... matter of fact, if you listen... Or is it Once millions? again, going back just to... just uh, threshold. Oh, no. T- somebody, some guy tried to boycott uh, Ty Rivera from performing at a gay pride uh, event that okay. he was already booked for because he says he's homophobic and he's transphobic and he's racist. Do we, is this the person we really want speaking at our event? All this other stuff. And, you know, they started getting pressure and everything. And, uh, like, Ty stood his ground. He's like, no, you already booked me. They it's do been it? booked for a month. So either pay me and I'll just go in and collect my money or I'm going to perform and do the show and stuff. And so they, uh, they at first, and they said, no, the first day of the venue was like, no, we're, you know, don't worry about these guys and stuff. And then they Good. called back later, like, um, a couple of days and like, hey, I don't think we can have you on the show. Okay. And then, uh, then called back a little bit after that and said like you know what forget what anything that we said no we still want you on the show okay and so and you still you said he did he performed and it went great everything was fine but he's banned from facebook right now he's in facebook jail 
uh, because uh, somebody didn't like something that he said. He was getting involved in an argument. And you can all find all this stuff out on this Unbothered podcast, guys. Well, what but did he say? There was, what was the catalyst. The catalyst was uh, some, uh, I, th- I think, uh, some girls, like, it sounds like you're trying, you're mansplaining, which, by the way, mansplaining, I think every time I hear that word, that means that this girl has nothing left to say and she's just going to accuse a guy of misogyny and that's like, that's it. She's going to try to shut it down. Uh-huh. He goes, bitch, if anything, I'm fact-splaining this to you. Okay. That's what he got. Uh, I believe that's what he got banned uh, okay. for. So that person's like, oh, hate speech. Boom. And then. Uh, Do you think anybody like any human operated that banning or was that just like an automated? Oh, no, no, no. He put fag in a comment. Somebody tagged it. So we banned him. I Is think, it an auto thing? Well, it can't. I guess it can be an auto thing. right? Yeah, because I imagine Facebook doesn't want to deal with every fucking thing. So if you put fag in something yeah, and somebody heard- tags it. Then you're going to get banned. Yeah. So uh, that or somebody, this wasn't the first time that he's gotten. Yeah. Because Which is basically he gets, I mean, he gets involved in a lot of these trolling arguments and stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, people get pissed and that's a repercussion that somebody can do now is that, oh, okay, I don't like what you said. I'm going to say that this is hate. I'm going to report this post because whatever, you know what I mean? So. But also I think one of the things I don't like about Twitter uh-huh. is the way, I don't think Twitter does does much censoring. I think you can put it. I mean, they do a little bit. Like, there's been a lot of notable censoring. Yeah. Well, they have a board now, right? Yeah. That, that, you know, decides whether or not somebody's being hateful or whatever, if it's hate speech and stuff. and Which means it's all. I mean, but, like, the way. I don't know. I mean, we need to get in this, but the way that uh, Twitter could be exploited by bots to make certain things surface. Oh, yeah. Is, is not good. Right. And I think Facebook, some of those things that, like,. Facebook is doing that could stop some of those things from surfacing like just you know bullshit mm-hmm. things but like if you're say a hacker group who wants to push a certain agenda you could do it on Twitter very easily by having a bunch of bots tweet a bunch of certain things wow. to certain people and easily get something to the top whereas I think with like maybe the it's such a fucking slippery slope because you right. don't want them to uh, censor anything but also in a world of no censorship it could be easily exploited so I don't know how I feel about it either well, way. Freedom without responsibility is selfishness. That's why I've always felt like okay. it, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I could be free to do whatever I want, to leave my uh, trash all over the yard, shit in everybody else's yard. Well, I'm free. I could, you know, take whatever I want because uh, I'm free. Like, no, you're... That's, you need responsibility. Well, that is freedom, but there, you have to have responsibility to go with it, right? So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of my whole things. So, balance, obviously... Uh, when it comes that's to hard that. to that's hard though. Yeah, that's you that's, get to a hard line where it's like the same argument you have with like the Second Amendment mm-hmm. is where do you draw the line? Right, and I think there's a, a a decent line on the First Amendment too. Is like where do you draw the line? Because if you have a bunch of like uh, certain outlets spreading certain things that they want to like that they want to propagate, mm-hmm. you can easily do it if you're so and uh, if you want to. There's a and it's well, scary that you can man- manipulate social media that way. Totally. But this is the weird thing is, is that I'd rather, I'd rather know the extent of that person's hatred. You know it's not I mean? even hatred. Like, say, fucking Russia wants to like have a certain news story on top of Twitter. Uh huh. You do it with bots. Okay, that's a, okay. I was talking about something different. Then. Yeah, was, yeah, and I was talking about something different. I assume. Oh, no, well, no, because I was thinking about as far as like we have to censor all the hate speech. I'm like, sometimes you need to know exactly how pissed off and hateful that person is. Oh yeah. To really know where that's coming from, and just because you took away, uh, you know, one particular word doesn't mean that hate has gone away. That person's still feeling that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So 
hey, if they maybe do more, yeah, if, yeah, if they're gonna start saying some really, really nasty shit, and we're like, okay, this is the weird thing, is it? I'm only halfway through the conversation with, um, uh, was it Megan? Uh, Megan Phelps. I don't know. She was one of the uh, Westboro Baptist. She was the uh, she pro or con Westboro Baptist. <laughs> she well, she grew up in that church. And Did she, she enjoy when it? She was, uh, yeah. And, really? But she left I bet it. you. No, the community dude. must be strong. I mean, they're incredible, hateful people. But like, if you're inside of it, it's probably pretty nice. That's one of those things that she was talking about. So she yeah. left the church when she was, uh, I think, 26. You know, her and her yeah. sister. And ironically, the thing that kind of got her out of it was Twitter. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because she would engage with all these people and everything. And, you know, and it's just... she the, In the conversation, she talks about where her point of view was. And why she felt the way that she did. And I don't think she's necessarily, she doesn't follow, I don't know if she follows Christianity anymore. I didn't finish the whole thing, so I don't want to put words (laughs) in her mouth. But the whole thing was, is that she can, under now, I mean, talking about how, when somebody feels like they're in that righteous mode, that righteous rage, that everything is justifiable, you know. And uh, it's uh, it's a bizarre conversation. You guys definitely got to check it out. If anything, if you live, you get anything out of this <laughs> podcast is that you should be listening to other podcasts besides this one. But uh, but that's interesting stuff, though. I yeah. think that's like trying to figure out what drives people and like what makes them happy and why they make decisions and not you know necessarily villainizing a group of people because they think of, like think a certain way. Like being open minded to being sympathetic to someone who disagrees with you, mm-hmm. I think is not present. I think At all. wanting to be a part of a group and be safe in a group. Ah, uh, that's the best, I think that has, Yeah, no, that is. Dude, what's, I, what feels better than we're all hanging outside of El Chirito yeah. one night and we're all with our buddies and stuff like, you yep. know, and we're all with our comics and stuff now. I, I always, like, imagine that because I remember I grew up Southern Baptist, so I remember that you kind of feel safe in this church. And when the pastor says, we have to do something about this gay agenda, these evil <laughs> pieces of shit who are trying to spread and want everybody, you know. To, to, I'm certain he didn't use those words. Close to it. Oh, really? Yeah, and that they're trying to spread damnation and get everyone. You know, I mean, like. Oh, really? Yeah, like Sounds I remember. Like guys contending with something. Like, all these men trying to pull us into their gay world. Oh, the gay world. All these fucking. Looking at us <laughs> at a truck stop, which I just went they're there. They're tasty to... dicks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, they're what are you evil, battling, evil, sir? Evil, evil, tasty dicks. What are you battling, sir? <laughs> but the thing is, is that if you want to stay in that group. They're yeah. comfortable with people that you trust and people that you care about. Yeah. Then I should probably go. You don't really. I, I didn't question it for a long time. I was pretty homophobic growing up until. Yeah. I, you know, I would say a couple years living in New York. You know. Yeah. It's not easy being homophobic in a musical theater school, guys. Let me tell you something. <laughs> well, I think that means a lot. That's like a lot of any sort of uncomfortability or hatreds born from you not having experienced anything with that person. Right. It wasn't until I actually started group living and learning and actually uh, like, oh, okay, you know what? No, they're not all... Oh, okay, I was wrong. All right. Yeah. Well, wait a second. If I was wrong about this, maybe I was wrong about a lot of things and, you know... Yeah, but, it's a waterfall once you finally get a little bit of, like, perspective. And mm-hmm. then you kind of search for perspective and things and not, like... I mean, that's the hardest thing with stuff now is, like, not not cheering for a specific team. Mm-hmm. Like, like especially with Trump. There's a lot of stuff that's, like, very hot button. I'm like, well, you know, certain things offend me about him and some things don't. And I'm yeah. trying not just to be like, this guy's on the other side of the aisle. I need to hate him for some reason. Yeah. But that being said, there's plenty of reasons to not be happy with the man. Yeah. But there's some things where everyone like brings up where I'm like, yeah, that doesn't bother me as much. You know what's so funny is that I always imagined if he really wanted to get the young people on his side, he would do something about student loans. Uh, that, he's not. 
I would love for him. Like, I would love to be in uh, Donald Trump's mind for a day. Uh-huh. It would be a fucking trip. Right. I remember watching the inauguration, and like, I I assure you, he's a giant egomaniac. Yeah. And could you imagine being the world's giant egomaniac and having a giant procession in the biggest economy in the world, like having a uh, having a celebration of how great you are, yeah. and that you won. And I just always wanted to be in Donald Trump's mind for that moment where he gets. He's the ultimate narcissist getting the ultimate narcissistic validation. Uh-huh. Oh, that must have been. He, oh, that must have felt so good, man. I'm never going to feel as good as Donald Trump did <laughs> on, on our inauguration day. Because uh, he was he was in the shit, man. I always feel bad when people are like uh, kind of trash our Melania. Because yeah. she did Dude, she Poor didn't girl. ask for any of that, man. Know, like this, right? She was thinking, hey, I'm marrying a rich dude. Okay, yep. this is going to be great. I'm going to have a good life. <laughs> I don't have to do shit. I have zero responsibility. All I got to do is make sure that his kids grow up okay. And uh, other than that, I'm living the good life. First lady of what? Huh? Like, I know, right? Oh, wait a second. Why? Now I'm supposed to be the rep. What? I, what? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, poor girl. But, you know, she'll figure it out. She'll like, get. She'll probably have a reality show after this. Probably. Like, sound like a C- uh, Dude, have you MSNBC seen the, uh, the Vicente Fox videos? Of him, like, I haven't seen him. Oh, dude, when he's just trolling Tron- Donald Trump. Oh, really? And he was like, look, I'm about to uh, uh, welcome, you know, Donald Trump. I'm former Mexican, you know, President Vicente Fox. Is it him? He, yeah. Okay. And he's like, here with, uh, oh, uh, he's like, sorry, I have to get back to my lunch. This is a taco bowl, uh, which no fucking Mexican will ever eat, all right? Why would uh, you put this in a fucking bowl? Just eat a goddamn taco. He did that? The pr- actual president? Yeah. Well, he's well, the a former president. president. Yeah, he's a former president. Of uh, <clears throat> but he was talking about like he's basically like, hey man, your ego's out. Of, he's he's basically trolling Donald Trump, and he's like, we're not paying for your fucking wall, all right? So you're going to spend all these billions of dollars for a wall, all right? Let me show the answer to what Mexicans will do. And he posts a picture of just a ladder <laughs> on top of it. Yeah, we're going to combat your billion dollar wall with a ten dollar ladder. Yeah. You fucking idiot. <laughs> like it's crazy shit. You got to check it out. This makes me sad. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thank God for uh, letting this asshole allow this country to become such a, a point of humor. I'm yeah. like, oh, thanks for delegitimizing, delegitimizing us. Now Vicente Fox is getting scores off us? Yeah, Are you no. fucking kidding me? The, <laughs> the former president of Mexico is, like, getting burns in? Are you kidding me? I wonder if he's actually going to try to run again. the country. Again. Vicente Fox? Yeah, I, wonder if, I don't know if he can run again. Well, they... if you follow the Trump, like, there's a, there's a program now. Yeah. Like, you become, you do what he does, you be outrageous, and you ride the media uh-huh. to the victory. There's a fucking formula that I'm sure you could replicate exactly. in Mexico, and I bet you it works, because it fucking worked here. Probably, man. Well, it's kind of weird, because I think in Mexico, they only have, the presidents only have one six-year term. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know? I get behind that. So, but the thing is what made him special, and I don't so know So he much. can't do it. He'd have to change, like, a, like the constitution or whatever in Mexico to I do it. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Some Putin shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Coming in here, I'm changing rules. Dude, he was the first uh, president of uh, Mexico in, like, 70, 80 years or something oh, like that. That didn't belong to the PRI. Because oh. that was the dominant political party in Mexico for years. And anytime anybody else came even close, they were usually got assassinated. Oh, that so, makes me want to learn more about that. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting dude, but he was like one of the CEOs of Coca-Cola in Mexico, I guess. Oh, well, that helps. So he was a business guy That paints in well. that picture a little bit. Where he's like, yeah. oh, the guy had a shit ton of money? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not like he was a man of the people, I don't think. And well, you I know, he could be, you could be 50% for the people and maybe do better than some people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Mike, I think Mike Bloomberg said he was going to like pay certain companies to like stay with the Paris Agreement. 
or like mm-hmm. donate some sort of money yeah. to it. And I'm like, that seems nice, but also I don't know if I want this guy in charge too. It seems like he yeah. could position himself for presidential run. Probably. But I also question that, you know. But he's also the guy that made like smoking illegal in, uh, yeah. in New York City. And like the drinks, you couldn't get like a bigger drink, like a right. soda drink. Did that stuff and everything. Which, I don't know if I'm down for that. Yeah, that's well, it, dude. Ever since, but I, did it help? Is the interesting thing. Is the city better because of these awful laws that restrict your freedom? Because, like, New York has changed in the last 20 years. Dude, it's changed. Yeah, especially since I was there. People, like, I had this guy who was like, dude, you wouldn't believe it. You'll see, like, hipsters walking their dogs in Brooklyn at 3 in the morning. Isn't that, and isn't it because of Rudy Giuliani's really abuse, like, like, really punitive laws that he established about guns and certain things? He did that. He also, like, he. Because it has changed. People had a love-hate relationship with Giuliani, right? So, on one hand, like, uh, as far as, like, uh, the homeless panhandling and all that other stuff, yeah. a lot of that cleaned up. Times Square turned into Disneyland, basically. But why? So, oh, no, he got all the, the porn and all the crime and stuff out of there. But this is a weird thing about New Yorkers and stuff. We're like, man, I used... Because you're used to the city that you're used to, yeah. right? I am used to a city where... Uh, I do not look anybody in the eye when I'm walking down the street. You could get stabbed. Okay, because you could get stabbed. You could. You could. I love just, that on the back of the postcard. Welcome, New York. You could get stabbed at any time. Yeah, exactly. And you <laughs> constantly have to. You, I don't know. I'm I'm for the non-stabbing city. If you yeah. ask me, if you if you gave me like one hand, you're gonna get stabbed, and the other hand, you're not gonna get stabbed. I'd pick the non-stabbing hand. Yeah, but you're not getting the full New York City though. See, that's the thing. Oh, there's some there's some flavor when you there's, get stabbed in the gut. There's some the spiciness. The pizza tastes much better if you know that you might get stabbed in the next five minutes. You enjoy that slice more. But uh, I can see that. <laughs> I can, like, you know. Well, that was weird because I remember they taught us like the first week. Uh, it's sanitized. Th- yeah, exactly. Otherwise. Which might not be a bad thing. I don't know. I haven't been there in years, you know. But it's. It's a delight. I was there Maybe like six months yeah. ago. Oh, really? Didn't worry a second. Well, I mean, I like we got out like a, we went to all the comedy shows because mm-hmm. I just wanted to see them. Oh yeah. And uh, we'd get out. I'd be worried about like getting out at three a.m. I'm like, okay, what do we have to worry about? We gotta get to the subway, and then then we had uh, an Airbnb in Harlem. Okay. And so I was like, okay, Wait, what where are we in Harlem? What's that? Where in Harlem? I have no fucking idea. Washington Heights. Washington Heights. Okay, you were up there then. Yeah. So we, I was like, okay, do I have to be worried? And I was worried, but then when we did it, zero reason to be. I'm like, what happened here? Because my vision of New York is totally based off of 90s pop culture where it's right. fucking terrifying. And that is not the case now. Well, and I think it's be better careful. off that way. Yeah. Well, I think maybe. This, is, this is one of the – this is, I think, maybe one of the other things is that they've also priced a lot of people that out of That might be Manhattan. the thing. That might be it. You know, exactly. So turning every apartment in Manhattan into an Airbnb and kind of pushed everybody out into Brooklyn for the most part or Queens yeah. or Jersey and everything. So – in that respect, I'm like, oh, wait, so I can't live here anymore because yeah. I don't have, I'm not, I don't have a job on Wall Street. And I'm not making six, you know, yeah. figures a year. And that part I'm not necessarily down with, but. I think that's uh, evidence of, you know, the things you hear Bernie Sanders saying about like the differentiation between the differentiation between the 1% and the 99%. Yeah. I think that's a living embodiment of their, of that happening right there where people are getting costed out of. The city where it's too expensive for actual people to live. Yeah. And so they're getting that pushed out to the Bloomberg's side. That's what doing as well. See, this is the problem when you have the But it's nicer th- within the 1% area. Yeah, right. I'm sure as you get that to the ends, it oh, might not get oh, as no nice. Question. Oh, no question at all. Yeah. So uh, that might be it. As soon as you get poor people out of a neighborhood, man, that place is nicer. I like <laughs> yeah. magic. It's weird. I'm just a tourist. I don't fucking worry about people living here. This I don't give a shit. Disneyland. I'm leaving in two days. You can go fucking. It's a Jurassic Park to me. This yeah. is just like a park I see that like <laughs> is what New York used to be. Like it's a fucking. Uh, 
Oh, dude, when I watched Midnight Cowboy, yeah, because yeah. uh, I I lived in that neighborhood in the Upper oh, West really? Side. That was a completely different neighborhood uh, yeah. than the one that I went to. Yep. I, it was Yuppie Central where I was working there, you know? I mean, there was still shit you had to look out for. But, I don't know, you just kind of learn how to, you have you heighten your senses more. You're always paying attention to 10 feet around you at all times, you know? You just, all that other stuff, but. But that's happening here as well, though. Like, if you, I remember I go to Ratio Brewer, like, to, to like, go do shows and just have a beer every once mm-hmm. in a while. I remember going to a show near there, maybe, like, six years ago. And being deathly afraid of like leaving my car to get to the venue and get back to my car, and now it's like I'm like, what's all these rich fucks doing around here? Ratio, like, where is that one at? Ratio is Rhino, so oh. that Rhino district, which was used to be like a warehouse district, and it's still a little bit cracky. Yeah, a little bit cracky, but like has it's like the bleeding edge of gentrification. Oh. and so it's got you got the rich white people with like the you know homeless people who are doing drugs. And they have to coexist because they're on the bleeding edge of gentrification. Yeah. So that whole thing... And Denver's doing their best to push out all the homeless people out to the suburbs, apparently, I guess. I heard... I listen to Adam Kroll's podcast all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like him. But I disagree with him on a lot of stuff. And he was, like, complaining about the homeless population in L.A. Yeah. And his problem was, like, why do, I ha- why do my kids have to see this while we're driving somewhere? It's incredibly depressing. I'm like, that's an interesting perspective to have on it when it should be, like, why are these people having to sleep on the streets? Yeah. Like your your problem is with seeing them. Like I think there's a there's two people. Like everyone has a problem with homelessness, but like some people have a problem because they could see it. I think other people have a problem because it exists. Yeah, and I think some rich people would just like are the problem with homelessness is that they can see it. And I think that like when you're talking about income inequality and things like that, I think some of that has to do with the amount of homeless people you see in every big city. Yeah, and, Denver's been overrun by it. And I think what what I think uh, why some folks. Uh, I'll just I'll just say about uh, in terms of myself. I don't always want to see it because it's such a hopeless problem in my mind that I have no idea how to fix it. So I'd rather not look at it, which is not good on my part at all. I'm just being honest. Where I'm like, why? Like, there's some folks who okay, like Ed Warner, uh, who was on the podcast, also yeah. known as Penny from Heaven, uh, awesome comic, and uh, he was homeless for a while. He was talking about it, and this is a guy who was like a very good lawyer back in yeah. uh, in Jersey and stuff and is it's, it's check out that uh, former pot. He's got an amazing story, guys. Yeah. But the whole thing was and stuff is that Ed was somebody whose life turned to shit yeah. through stuff that was out something a lot of things that were outside of his control, right? Then what? so but he's managed to actually build a life back up again. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of other folks I think mentally they're incapable. Totally. Like, I, I used to, when I managed, you could all take a shot now, because uh, when I used to manage for Peter Piper Pizza years ago. Oh, dude, Peter Piper? Yeah. That was Horrible my first pizza, managing job. but good games. Son of a bitch, you get out of my... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you gonna, no, I you can't that... possibly defend the quality of the pizza. Yes, I, I can, as a matter of fact. Oh, God, touchy subject. <laughs> I will say that we use better cheese. The sauce Pretty sucked, sick. but we use better cheese than most, play, than most uh, restaurants. We actually made our dough on a daily basis. Okay, so, okay. I, I, it's it's not New York pizza by any stretch of the imagination. It's just it's too greasy in Pueblo. I don't yeah. know who's running the Pueblo store. Let me go down there. Too and see greasy. Like, like yeah, like hey, listen, it's Mongolian Grill now it doesn't exist. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. Is there Peter Piper's that exist still? Oh yeah, in Arizona they're still big. Oh really? Yeah, Arizona oh. they're they're there. You won't see. There's like two Chuck E. Cheese's in Phoenix, but there's like at least fifty Peter Piper's. Dude, I gotta go. Yeah, because there was one in Pueblo when I was a kid, and it was such a. I need a cinnamon crunch roll. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Uh, I feel like I got us off. 
Well, the, no, no problem. The um, but no, I the two types of kids that I worked with uh, the best with was either the straight A student who had a bunch of extracurricular activities, yeah, you know, uh, probably going to a nice college, or the kid who's been kicked out of at least three high schools, yeah, the problem kid, because yeah. for some reason I was able to talk to both of them really well. Anybody in between didn't want to listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd but say it's because the, they're smart. Yeah, I'd say it's because both are smart. Well, because the kids who who grew up in a really tough place, man, he's had. Yeah, you have to be smart in order to kind of avoid shit, or just become a piece of shit. That could be that smart too. people you notice, and the other people are just the horrible people. I think those are the <laughs> smart people you were talking to. I've worked in fucking places like that, and like you know the smart people because there are some fucking dregs mm-hmm. when you're working like minimum uh, minimum wage stuff, right? Where it's like this person exists. Oh yeah, like and oh my god, he's probably gonna procreate at some point. He's totally. That's all he thinks about is procreating yeah. those people. They love getting their dicks wet, dumb people. That's why I'm gonna have kids. Like I was like, not, I was on the like the board. Like I was like, eh, I don't know if we should have kids. Like there's enough people in the world. Then I saw enough dumb people having kids. I'm like, I need to offset this. Yeah, exactly. I feel like me and my wife can make some non dummies, and all the dummies are gonna make six. That's not gonna do shit. <laughs> but we're gonna have two, and they're gonna do the work of six dummies. That's my. That's what I'm gonna give them that pep talk. It's you like, need to be smarter than six people. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I need to do that to my kids. You need to be six people smart because there's, so, there's some dumb fuck out there. Your daddy can only fuck so much, right? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm not. I don't. I got bills, buddy. I'm gonna have two kids to offset a bunch of fucking dummies. And guess what? I'm gonna teach you about your heritage. You're working at 13, fucker. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I'm like I. I always tell my wife I'm gonna be an Asian dad because I've watched a lot of reality shows and there's nobody who like pressures their kids more to succeed than Asian dads. Mm-hmm. But they also are very successful. They're hor- I mean, they're kind of broken people. They're very, yeah. but they're very successful. <laughs> so, hey, listen, uh, you know, six figure income buys a lot of therapy, right? So totally. I think you get offset it. There's a sweet spot yeah, exactly. where you can't get. Hopefully, they'll figure it out right before they have kids and fuck up their kids. Totally. That sounds like but Darwin's I, law, right there, buddy. Right. <laughs> no, I. But I, I would tell these kids, I'm like, listen, guys, because a lot of my like, own oh, fucking fucking be here and shit. I'm like, right, you don't. Yeah. But I'm telling you something right now, man, is that there's this magical line that does exist. It's called 18. Okay. Before that line, before, but when you're younger than 18, you are a troubled youth. Yeah. Who everybody wants to help, so that way to get on the right path. Once you're past 18, you are a full-grown adult who nobody gives a shit about because you can't get your shit together. It's terrifying. And me. I'm like, and so and freaking me out. <laughs> right, but you know what I mean. But I, it was like, well, oh, I'm like, everybody's trying to help you right now, but all the shit's good. All the shit that you're you're taking for granted, it's got to go away. And when it's yeah. gone, you're going to be lost, and you're going to be. I don't want you to be one of these guys out there who's like 25, 26 years old who can't figure out why his life sucks. You know, but you know what? Like, I think if you're 25, 26 and your life sucks, you're in a good spot because you still have time to switch it around. Like, I think that's true. 18, my life, my 18, life sucked at that time. <laughs> my life didn't start getting good till about 35, but that was a different story. That's fine, though. I, I feel like I always thought it was 25. Like, mm-hmm. when I read some article, it said, like, the brain doesn't develop until 25. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anything before 25, I was so dumb mm-hmm. and had no idea how dumb I was. I You'd feel be like surprised that's... how dumb you are for every year they get older. Yeah. Like, oh, holy shit. Oh, God. I love what? that, though. I really like people who take value in getting better as a person. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I know a lot of people who don't or aren't trying to get better. They're proud to be dumb, proud to stay where they're at. Or just, or... like, you know, fine being status quo. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, sometimes that's fine. But I think, like, trying to be a better person, I think that's why comedies, I liked it so much. Mm-hmm. is because it is a, a constant grind to mm-hmm. try and be a better person and overcome things that have really freaked me out and i've really liked it because of that 
Mm. It's because like I'm I'm like a I'm a loner. I'm I don't talk very much. I'm kind of shy. But it would take you a couple of years to get you on this podcast. Now that I think about it, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't. But I like I like when I do. Like I think I just have trouble getting to that point where I'm comfortable with people talking with them. How many brothers and do you have brothers and sisters? I have an older brother and an older sister. How much older were they? Um, four or five years, something like that. Okay. Not not a so, great deal, I don't think. That, but here's the thing. My yeah. mom started leaving me home alone when I was five. Mm. And so I would, my brother would have soccer tournaments and my mom would leave me home alone beginning at the age of five wow. till forever. Like, wow. And I would just get really comfortable and happy being alone in the house, watching TV, mm. making food, and being alone. And I, it's really... It made it's made me quite the bit of a loner, right? But I also like it, <laughs> you know. Like well, I think I've, I've, I've there's push... difference. There's, uh, I said there's always a difference between being alone and being lonely. But yeah, uh, for me, I was the the latter most of the time. But I grew up with like my cousins and yeah, yeah. my brothers and sisters and stuff like that. So one of the reasons why I think I was able to at least be sociable and stuff for the most part is because I I always had there's always other kids around to play with. Yeah, but oh, like had perfect. it been had it been um, like my oldest brothers from my dad's first marriage who were like a good eight years older than me. Yeah. You know, I probably would have been the same way where I'm like, oh, they isolated. Have... Yeah. But I think like, uh, I have to credit my wife with actually pushing me out of that. Mm-hmm. Cause until I met my wife senior year of high school and I, uh, started, I joined speech and debate because I wanted to be around her more. Mm. And through speech and debate, I figured out how to get out of my comfort zone. Mm. And that was just like the first instance of her pushing me to be a better person. Maybe not even, purposefully but just by being in my life pushing me to be a better person how can i get this girl i gotta start being a better dude or just i'm gonna be a better dude i just liked being around her and she was in speech and debate so i got into speech and debate and you know found that i was okay at it sometimes but i was just there to be around her and but but being there i had to go to speech and debate competitions Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't remember ever being more terrified in my life than like being a (laughs) junior in high school and having to dress up and go to my first speech and debate tournament and just being terrified and it being the best thing that ever happened to me because I was terrified doing it. Mm-hmm. And I figure, and there's, there's a lot of that that happens in stand-up. Right. Where it's like I'm pushing myself to get better, so I'm constantly terrified and constantly on that edge of, like, hating it because mm-hmm. it's so scary. Because I'm trying to, like, you know, like, okay, I have a funny joke, but maybe I have some tags that if I just let myself get loose up there mm-hmm. and talk rather than recite jokes, I could actually discover. But the only thing way I could do that is to get comfortable and be myself up there, which has taken five years to even get close to, like, being myself and being able to react the way that... Isn't that kind of strange? Like, this is a weird thing I've noticed, like, because you, uh, you've been, you and I have been doing comedy about the same amount of time. I, I think so. Think. <clears throat> One of the things that I know, like, I, I did Sushi High this past Thursday, which was cool because I, uh, I had a chance, my mom finally got a chance to see me do stand-up. <laughs> did she like you? Oh, yeah, dude. Actually, I, I had a decent set, and... Um, one of the things that was it was really weird is that I've noticed lately the last couple of times that I've been uh, performing in front of like actual civilians yeah, yeah. is that it's starting to become less like an act and more like just me being comfortable talking there yeah. and reacting and feeling what the crowd's doing. Like I'm starting to, to see all these different things and their reactions and stuff and see sometimes, oh, let me spice it up over here. Oh, let me talk to over here a little bit and trying to get the whole crowd, yeah. you know, keep them entertained. And I'm like, wow, this is something that I have not felt until I would say about this year. I know, right? You know? And I'm it's... like, oh, it's changing. Oh, wow. It's like the first year, guys, if you ever do stand-up, you're really uh, – it, it took me two years before I stopped tripping on a punchline. Meaning, yeah. like, uh, that's not the right term. I just made that up. But, like, 
you throw out a punchline and uh, nobody reacts, and you're visibly shaken up at the fact that nobody laughed at it. Yeah. You know, it took me a lot. Like, it wasn't after the second year where I stopped. Like, oh, I just went right, kept on trucking. Yeah, I think that's important. I think some people. I don't know, it's important, especially, I mean, like, I'm just an open mic comic, so that's all I ever, like, my, most I do is open mic, so, uh, stopping stopping your pace at an open mic and going like, oh, that didn't work, is, is useless, because right. that's what's supposed to occur. I would consider you a showcase comic, man, I've seen you on more showcases than anything. You yeah, traveled but, out of town to do comedy, correct? Uh, yeah, but it was just like, I had a friend who ran a show out, you know. It's, I wouldn't consider yourself an open mic comic, that's just my opinion, I'm okay. like, no, dude, you're... There, there's a difference between somebody who just starts and then, like, you. You're, you're at a different okay. level. I feel like if you asked, like, uh, like a legit working comic if I was an open mic comic or not, they'd I would classify say, uh, me as an open mic comic. I would say amateur. Amateur, totally. And I'd, I'd be happy with that. I feel yeah. like I worked hard to fucking even get that kind of stature. Because I think open mic comic, uh, it's a kind of, I don't know, when I think about it, I'm like, it means that you don't know anything just yet. <laughs> but, but I I'm love... Like, amateur love... comic, like, no, I book showcases every now and then. I go out of town every now and then. I'm not, I'm not making my living off of it just yet. I wouldn't, you know, but... Yeah. But I'm not going to get any value as a comic, like, over pricing myself you know what i'm saying like if i say like i'm better than i am that's a problem I but if like, i low if i undercut myself i feel like I'm, I'm still progressing okay you know i never want to give myself too credit oh too no credit you gotta, it's so much it's worthless energy to give yourself credit i had this weird dream many years ago and that uh, no, actually it was a couple of months ago uh that um there was this jazz club in paris that i was in for some strange reason that sounds I, cool as fuck yeah no it was great and i'm like great. wow this is awesome and this gal was like Oh, you do a, you know, you have a, you know, American comedy show. Eh? Maybe this, uh, maybe you can perform here, eh? Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, well, and she's like, what is your, your rates that you're charging? And uh, I'm like, well, we charge, uh, 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 like, 100 for, uh, 100 up front, and that's just to pay the comics plus a percentage of the bar. And she's like, $100, eh? It's, um, I'm sorry, but that's, uh, it's kind of low, eh? Low? And she's like, what? She's like, something that you charge that little for cannot possibly be worth anything. Is that $100? Right. This is a dream? This is a dream. Okay. Where the dream was basically, uh, obviously, a part of myself. It was like, if you keep undercutting yourself, then you're, you're getting people to agree that you're not worth that much. Okay. So I'm like, you got to start off a little higher. Now, granted, I'm not going to go and say, like, I'm going to headline a theater uh, because of, you know, I, I would not be able to do that. Right. Yeah. There's, there's obviously that, that's what we're trying to avoid. Right. Yeah. But at the same time saying like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not worth getting paid. I'm like, no, fuck that. Oh yeah. I've been working on these jokes for four goddamn years. Yes. You're going to pay me for this. You know, like, I think, I think, uh, any sort of pride I have about getting paid comes from understanding that at a certain point of like working for five years, I've gained the ability that if somebody gives me five minutes, mm-hmm. I could, they could trust me to like oh, not yeah. fuck up the show. Exactly. And I've gotten to that point where if somebody gives me five minutes, I have enough trustworthiness in myself that I'm not going to fuck up their show. Right. I think I could probably go to 10 at that level, 15. Yeah, totally. Might, might not be the best. Uh, we're almost want... at that point where we're supposed to be able to feature. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, uh, yeah, 10, I, I know I could, I know I got 10. I know you got 10, you know, like depends. But also, also the thing that I think that's weird in Denver and I think I was I was listening. I listen to most of the podcasts you do with comics. Is uh, is like I think especially through comedy works. I feel as soon as you get on comedy works, they don't try as they don't. They're not as experimental or as risky as they should be. I see a lot of people mm. get get into wanting to appeal to comedy works and stuff like that, mm. and not be as risky as they should be. But then also, it's like who defines who what needs to be risky and what not. But I like when people are 
or more raw and like yeah or testing the edge of a of a of what you can say because there's so much like liberal pandering that i feel happens right that and i don't like that you can't say something that's not agreeing with that and I totally I agree with that sentiment. And don't get me wrong, I'm not shitting on comedy works. I still one of my dreams is to headline there, right? But I don't think I'm good at for the type of stuff that I I've come to the the realization the kind of stuff that I the comedy that I want to do is not what they're looking for. And I I'm not interested in changing what it is that I'm trying to I'm trying to create. Yeah, yeah. You know, so nothing against them, but there's a reason why I don't call into that hotline anymore. You know, but I think if you're, which is a bummer because I really love performing in that room. You know? I think if your goal is to be a better comic, mm-hmm. that eventually your want to get a better comic and you want to being on Comedy Works, they're gonna meet. Because, oh yeah, I think so too. Because they what they value there is a lot a strong joke writing, strong joke and somebody you can draw. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's like the, that's show business. That's that's the whole thing. Like the, um, but like, all, but like the people are who are getting there at the lower level, like mm-hmm. getting up. I think it's it is more about joke writing than anything. I feel like you have to be a really good joke writer at Comedy Works, and that's what they're looking for. Oh, totally. And I feel like that's not a bad. I always I'm a joke guy. Like I think jokes. I don't get when people don't tell jokes. Like yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get alt comedy a lot because I'm like I want you to like try. Yeah. And I don't like when people do something creative and their their twist is that I'm not trying. Right. And I'm like that seems like a half a cop out. Or depending on your creativity, a full cop out, and it's like it's like people shit on Jerry Seinfeld, but who could be as laser focused and pristine? Mm-hmm. Richard and well Jenny thought. was amazing with that. Yeah, like, like that is the hardest thing to do. The the Jim Gaffigan. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that you know Louis C.K. is great, but I think Jim Gaffigan's a better comic because he does it clean, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. He's 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 got a he's got a limiter on what he could talk about, and he's mm-hmm. doing it without any tricks. Right. Like you could say outrageous things, and I think it's a little bit of a I don't know. Sometimes it's easier. I think if you're doing clean comedy, I res- I think you're a better joke writer. Because I, do, I don't do clean comedy because I have trouble not steeping to the lowest common denominator to make something funny. Like, yeah. s- they can never take the easy way out. I love clean comics more than anybody. Cause Ryan they- Regan is still one of my favorite comics of all time. So. He might, he's the best comic yeah. alive. I would say that. Well, then again, it's like... Louis C.K. is great. Louis, oh, my, okay. Well, I'll, Let's do it. What yeah, okay. Who are your uh, top five comics in? All time? I love talking about this, by or, the way. Okay. All time or sure. current? Uh, let's say all time. Chris Rock's number one. Okay. Nobody's ever touched uh, Bigger and Blacker to me. All right. And that was that was the right time, right place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, David Tell. I just love David Tell. Brian Regan. Mm-hmm. Brian Regan. I don't know, and after that it gets kind of maybe you George too. Carlin, yeah, <laughs> George Carlin, and maybe Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. I'm not against dudes who are just like you know Jerry Seinfeld and just has good jokes. Oh yeah, no, that was a uh, no, I, absolutely. But I love Doug Stan. Oh, Doug Stan was my favorite <laughs> Dude, fucking that, comic that, alive that, currently. I'll start laughing like kind of like your Chamberlain joke where it comes out of like left field. Yep, the, the punchline sneaks in there. Uh, yeah, he's fucking great at that. Uh, his, uh, his thing is that I didn't listen to him when I was younger cause he was so dark and it'd right. make me sad. Mm-hmm. Like I'd listen to his comedy and made me sad, but he's gotten older mm-hmm. and with his old age, gotten a little bit sweeter. Yeah. And so there's a little sweetness, like when he's talking about his mom dying and oh, having yeah. one night, it's incredibly morbid and dark, but then there's this sweetness that you could sense mm-hmm. underneath it yeah. that just, that sells it to me more than like, it's, it's not mom. just dark. <laughs> Don't go. They found a cure. She's like, ah, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's perfect. They she died. They they that whole that. Oh god, that it's was so, so dark. dark. But you but know what? They're trying sweetness. to make the most out of that. Like, let's do 
try to laugh one more time, you know, and like it's celebrating his mom's life the way that they celebrated yeah. life, the way they lived, and it was so. It's like I don't like when people try and be shocking for the sake of shocking, right? And Doug Stanhope is never that. No, he's 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 shocking because of he wants to tell you the truth, right? And I just I my biggest qualm with comedy is people like. I'm going to be offensive to be offensive. Like, Carlsman used to always come out and say that. Like, mm. we're going to be very offensive. I'm like, that's that takes the knees out of your offensiveness if you're trying to be offensive. Right. That I means mean, you're so just funny. an asshole. I, that one joke that he, or I mean, that one uh, special the before the whole Rogan and all that stuff came out. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love those uh, those jokes. The whole microchip, yeah. microchip. And I'm like, holy shit, that stuff was great. But I loved his uh, Comedy Central half hour. Yeah. It was one of my favorites because he ended with like a – he ended not on a joke. Mm-hmm. He ended the, like with a thing about like if – he was talking about 9-11. Yeah. And like you need to tell somebody you love all the time. Like you sometimes – like he was talking about like a couple having a fight and mm-hmm. his wife goes to the building and they never made up because she'll come home that night mm-hmm. and they'll have makeup sex. But then she didn't come home that night. And I always loved it because I'm like – I like when comedies sweet oh yeah i love the Sim- the old simpsons because they were that way they were funny but they were also not cynical mm-hmm. and that's what i'm always trying to do with my stuff is like okay i, c- I could criticize stuff but i never want to be cynical right i never want to be like i hate this because it needs to be hated i'm like no i hate it because it's not you know or you know like i just don't want to hate something to hate something or sometimes i don't know i think a bit is like i hate something and why the fuck do i hate this like why what yeah, is yeah. it about this piss me off my uh the first comics that i a comedy that i ever listened to was uh and I owe a lot of this to my brother, Drew, who would get uh, these comedy albums from the library. Ah. So I was five years old. The first one was Bob Newhart, Button Down Mine. Nice. All right. Next one was Bill Cosby. Okay. All right. Uh, which, God damn, that, that whole fucking thing really, really hurt because Bill Cosby was what I can't say like, oh, he was one of my favorite comics because like, I could tell a clean story and still get a whole crowd. He'd cross so many lines, you know, yeah. for different race and everything. But it's, eh. He's now, still look, saying, I'm one of those guys who's like, I still like Woody Allen's movies. Like, uh, I, 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 I never separate. got into that. The only one that I ever, the only Woody Allen movie that I ever saw that I really liked uh, was uh, Mighty Aphrodite. Okay. That's because we were studying Greek theater at the time, and so okay. I, yeah, I caught a lot, of, a lot of old jokes. But um, but Bob Newhart was still one of my favorites. George Carlin uh, was was always one of my favorites. Patton Oswalt. Yep. Uh, the way that he can just describe something really disgusting to get everybody to laugh at it. I think he's a great writer. Oh. I really like when he posts like a giant Twitter rant oh, or yeah. something because he's very thought out. Oh, yeah. He's definitely one of the smartest dudes out there. Lo- yeah, Pamela's a great person. Um, I think. I became <laughs> Bill Burr, I think, just because of the way he's that... He's my dude. My top guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, the way that he could take a very, very... Like walking into that minefield and navigating it just so and everything and still trying to find something funny. Yep. And... You know what I've also I started to become more of a fan over the past couple of years. Before I was a fan of his podcast first. Before I was a fan of his stand up yeah. was Rogan's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Rogan, it's these short stories that he's talking about and these ideas and thoughts. It's not like joke, 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 joke. And we watch some of his younger, uh, his earlier stuff. It was kind of that way, but it kind of morphed into this whole idea where it's a long, fifteen minute bit. Yeah. That he's doing, you know. Well, I think that has to do with his. His audience that is coming out to see him now are podcast fans, yeah. and they don't they don't they don't turn down they don't like go fuck. Has this guy been talking for ten minutes about yeah, something? There, are we going to laugh at each other soon, bro? They're right. down for that pace, and it's great yeah. that he's been able to because he's been. I'm sure all of his shows are all Rogan fans. Like I, yeah. that is probably my favorite podcast because yeah. it's so consistent and the way they structure it's really good. Uh, 
but yeah, I I was a fan of his podcast before I was of his comedy. Yeah, and I'm I went to his show and I was like, please be good, please be good, and it was good. So I was like, okay, I great. To go see him perform live one of these days. What's that? No. I'm, oh, oh, okay. Can you use the bathroom? No, I said. Do you, I, I don't I'm know good. For some reason, I don't know if it was fidgeting because of the chair. I'm like, no, I don't no, 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 no. I'm good. Okay. I'm actually going to see Rogan in November by myself. Oh, nice. Because I just those tickets sell out like super fast, yeah. and I'm like, fuck, and. Then I, I'm pretty sure that's not the one where I can ask, like, hey, Deacon, I know I haven't uh, called up in the hotline in years, but do you think I could... Not the one to do it. Because everyone's probably probably going to get... You probably want to go to someone who's not filled up. But, like, but he's... The one he's coming to is doing it. He's doing a theater this Mm. time, I guess. I remember on his podcast, he said he's going to flip from doing the club one year and doing the theater the next. And... I don't know. I'm excited, and I'm also going by myself, which helps because it's like easier. Because it's like if you want a friend to come, they're like, "Oh, what is it? Like thirty dollars for a ticket?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's kind of expensive." It's worth it, but yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't, I'm not. I'm never going to pay more than sixty dollars to see any comic. Yeah, I and I'm a comedian that. fan, dude. I hate paying fucking five dollars for really. Yeah, I mean, um, that's just because I think that's the that's the genetic cheap ass Mexican in me. Oh yeah, he doesn't want to pay for shit. And I'm like, fuck, really, man? Is, <laughs> is that we're gonna play home? But, but now nah, you, nah, it's, if I go to a French show, they're charging for tickets. I will forget, I'll pay because I'm being supportive. But um, some of that's just like I remember people saying that like just charging a little bit for a show brings up like the I don't know makes it look seem more professional or like makes people value it more when yeah, they're no, coming in and that. not talking. And it's an interesting line to have to like maneuver. Because I'm like, I don't want to charge any. Like, sometimes it's like, well. Well, it, a lot of folks feel that way. That's why the the idea of the brewery show yeah. works out so well. Because uh, they're just getting paid a little something from the bar. And then plus whatever. And you can do pretty well. Like, I know uh, there's a couple brewery shows I know that do pretty well. Like, two that come to mind. Jagged Mountain. Uh, Harrison Garcia's show. And uh, the Bordello guys over yeah. at Westfax. Yeah. Those guys, both of those guys are just crushing it, man. That's doing great. But uh, my, my goal for the next year is that I want to uh, uh, sell out a 100-seat theater. Okay, that seems doable. Not just myself. I mean, obviously, putting a show together where we're charging actual money. Cause, um, Sounds perfect, though. That's oh, pretty, yeah. That's and, incredibly doable. Yeah. And to do, to do something like that, where we actually have money, we're like, okay, cool. So this is something we're splitting out. This is what we're going to put for the next show. Yeah, yeah. And treat it like, I mean, there's the art of comedy and stand-up, and I get that. But there's also showbiz. And showbiz is something different, and yeah. that's what I want to kind of focus on. We're like learning how to be a draw, learning how to do such and such. Like watching the Lucha Libre guys, yeah, uh, man, every one of those wrestlers, or they work their ass off to try to get oh, people really? to go see them. Because uh, if people don't go to see them, they're not gonna they're not gonna get on the show. They're not yeah. getting booked. So, like you know, Royce Isaacs is out on Twitter all the time, posting pictures all the time. Sam Udell, a lot of those guys and stuff. So. Like, Nick Gossard is the only promoter I know in the city who works with comedy that can complain about only getting 200 people to see a show. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, he's pissed if he only has 200 people. He wants he wants 500, you know? And I bet you the wrestlers do a better, way better job than the comics of promoting that show, too. That's what I've noticed, too. And that's why when I had, I had two wrestlers on this podcast and watching, just talking about how they do promoting and stuff, and I'm like, holy shit, I've been lazy this entire time. These guys are out there working, doing whatever they can. I think it's just the the attitude too i feel like if i imagine those people are in decent shape so they have to be <laughs> oh, yeah, a little di- little disciplined whereas <laughs> comics are just you know we're all just well, we, well, gonna, look like uh, look like me <laughs> i'm gonna affectionately say loads of shit like is the common body type and so like I, you know like those guys are already doing stuff that takes uh 
I don't know, follow through and shit. Yeah. That's why I haven't done a show ever because I know that uh, I'm just worried about doing it wrong. And so if I ever did it, I wanted to do it right. But it's so, I don't know, it's a hard thing to do. But it, but sometimes with like Facebook now, like mm-hmm. you could uh, get Facebook ads and direct those to certain groups of people in certain areas. Like it's way easier than it was even two years ago to mm-hmm. promote a show just because of social media advertising and stuff like that. Posters still, I still have to work with that. Like Gossard, he... Gosser will have uh, occasionally these little uh, classes that he doesn't charge any, any money for. Oh, yeah. That he does at the Voodoo. I've, done, I've been at two of those, uh, yeah. the three that he's done. And it's absolutely, uh, you know, because basically he wants the scene to get better. He wants people to learn how to make more money and stuff, you know. And yeah. That's, that's what he does. But he said posters is a big thing as well. You know? He said, uh, I went to the first one of those, and he was talking about sponsorship too being huge. Mm. Like, just try as much as you can. Like, as much... Any sort of income you could get into that show from any sort of sponsorship is helpful because, I mean, imagine with, with anything, your first goal is to make it good. Mm-hmm. And your second one is to make it profitable. Right. And so you could pay people to come that are good. And so that's, man, I, I keep putting it off, but no. maybe once I get fired. I'm getting fired soon, so uh, I'll be able dude, to have time. You know what the thing is, is it because I've seen, I've seen the work that you put into your jokes and your writing. And I know even if half of that goes into when you actually try to put a show together, you know, there's going to be mistakes. Just like comedy, you're going to yeah. fuck up on stuff. You're just the only way to get through that is to go through it. You know what I mean? So <coughs> that's why I love going to shows. Like, mm-hmm. say I'll get a bit booked on a show, and that week or that month it wasn't very great. Is like having see the host like be very apologetic to me. I'm like, no, I understand that there's like ebbs and flows to this. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll be hosting a show one week, will be. One month or week, whatever your routine is, will be a killer, and the next will be, you know, just dead yeah. for almost seemingly no reason. And I just love when I go to shows and someone has to explain, like, don't worry, you know, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, dude, I get it. I've done bar shows and done stuff enough to understand that there's some things that are just out of your control uh, when it comes to, like, getting people in the seats, which is also amazing, too. That's a whole other, that's a whole other focus. It's a whole other different. It's another skill. Yeah. And there's I don't think people who do really well. Like, every time... When's the last time you ever been to Sushi High when it was only half full? He's gone. He's figured something out. Yeah, no, because John, that's what John does is promoting. He knows uh, marketing and stuff like that. That's what he's great at. I think that the restaurant works well with him, too. Yeah. I think that's huge, too, is having a venue that's down to fucking try and figure it out. Trying to figure that. Yeah, try to find that whole thing. I think thing. that's the rule one. that I've, uh, I've asked people for like advice about starting shows but never done it. Mm-hmm. But having the venue that's down to fucking do something. You know what? One of the things that John even gave me this idea, uh, and he go, and I should actually do it, is like spend an evening going, hanging down downtown Denver. Yeah. Go in in all these little tiny bars and see which one are bars and restaurants. See which one has a downstairs yep. room that they don't use. All of them. You know. I went to some. We went to like the Amazing Race auditions that were like a couple mm-hmm. days ago, and it was at a hotel. And they, the auditions were, they had everybody fill up the hotel, then they went to the basement to do their auditions. Mm-hmm. And when I went in there, I'm like, this is an amazing room for comedy. Mm-hmm. I think all those, uh, all those businesses downtown have basements that mm-hmm. may or may not be in use. And, they're, right. and a lot of them are pretty fucking gorgeous. Yeah, because they're only going to use them Fridays or Saturdays when they're the busiest. So yeah. that means Wednesday, Thursday, they got something else going on. So, you know, that's definitely an opportunity if you can find somebody to work for, you know, and then... Perfect. Basically, I remember uh, Ray Davis. Uh, he's a comic in London that uh, you, you talked about, like, because he runs a couple of rooms all throughout England. Yeah. You know, uh, and he was like, well, you know, you start off, you don't want to ask for too much money. But once you start bringing, you start off with the understanding that is that we're going to do this for a couple months 
And then if we see crowd everything, let's renegotiate. Like, we get some more money to put into the show. Yeah. Would you like, I can get you better comics, but I'm going to need more You know what I mean? That yeah, type yeah. of thing. So, and then also make sure that you don't have comics that do stupid shit, like try to work out <laughs> new material on a showcase, you know, things like that. But I think if you could, like, make it seem professional enough, mm-hmm. like if you handle the comics the right way, they're going to do that automatically. It's also booking. It's yeah. one of those things is it, uh, learn this from uh, Fuddruckers. Is it if you let's say you're on a you're a football coach right, and you're on an away game, so you got to have the right people. If you don't have the right people on that bus, you're not going to win the game. Yeah. So, a lot of that is kind of like, all right, who can I trust that is going to not get freaking super high or blackout drunk <laughs> before the show? Who am I going to trust that doesn't go halfway through a set? It's not working. Then they turn on the crowd and start shitting on everything. You know, who can I trust that's, that's going to actually promote this show through every bit of social media that they have to try to get people to come to it? You yeah. Know, all those type of things are, you know, ideas. And I've only booked a couple of shows, so what the fuck do I know? But, you know. No, no, but that's true, though, because you could get, I've seen people have some, somebody just do the wrong thing, like mm-hmm. insult the wrong person for the wrong reason in the crowd and yeah. destroy the room's energy. Right. And you have to be a good host or a good, the next comic has to fix that somehow. Yeah. And if nobody's capable of like producing that fix, it fucks the show. Yeah. So if you have a series of people who can't, as if you have one person who fucks it up and then a bunch of people who can't bring it back, then it, that one person fucked up the whole show. Right. So it is. I, so it was being able to try to find the right people like, all right, well, this person who I think there's like a 70% chance are going to have a great set. Yeah, yeah. All right, but I still want to give them because I believe in this person. I think they can get better. But holy shit, you better have somebody who could bring some fucking heat right yeah. after that, you know? So either way, even if they don't do so well, the show comes back. But if they do knock it out of the park, then the show's going to get even better. Yeah. You know? Find uh, So I don't know. It's all... All this stuff. I, I feel like we barely talked about anything about you this entire time. We could, we could do that. I mean, like... Oh, <laughs> well, no, it's time. okay, because we're kind of rounded third here, and I'm like, holy shit, I don't... You guys... Did I mention your name's Patrick Scott? Maybe for anybody who's listening? No. So. <laughs> That's fine. If you want... It just happened, I you guess. Yeah, I know. The time's gone by. You said that you're going to get fired soon. What do you mean by that? The company that I'm working for has, like, sat us down a couple times and saying that they're going to sell the company. Okay. And there's questions of, like... How long is it going to take? What happens to us? And it seems to be pointing to uh, they'll buy us for our email list and user information, and you probably won't get a, a severance. And so that's been looming over the last like month or so, and it's probably going to you know come to a head pretty soon. So, but I'm looking for a job. Like I'm slowly starting to look for a job again. So I might not have a time where I don't have a job, but. I'm actually kind of secretly looking forward to a moment I would where I don't. I be stealing as much shit out of that office as I possibly could. That's one of my jokes. Yeah. It's like, because they're, I don't know, I think they're mishandling it. Like, I think it's good that they're telling us everything that's happening as it's happening. Like, I feel like that upfrontness is nice, but mm-hmm. also it's like, we don't need to know that, like, you have an offer that you aren't taking. We're going to look for other offers, you know, like, it's good. it makes me know that in a month I won't have a job, but I'm still here. Right. So, like, why am I incentivized to work? So I have been stealing shit. Nice. I've, I've stolen three Chromecasts because I felt like they wouldn't see that. <laughs> um, and I Allegedly. Think, yeah, whatever. Well, come at me. You're not going to be a place in 30 months or 30 days. So <laughs> yeah. come at me. I'll well, give me back your, what is it, like, I stole $90 worth of shit from you. Dude, you know, this is a weird thing is that the fact that it would say, like, you're probably not going to get severance. I'm like, so you're going to sell this company. Make a shitload of money, but you're not going to give any of that to the people who helped you 
yeah. of this company. The company doesn't have a good history of treating, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Like somebody told me that she had worked for the company for 10 years and when she had a baby maybe five years ago, they made her do breastfeeding in like a mop closet. Um, so it doesn't have a history of necessarily doing the best things for its employees. You know what's... Uh, Slash, that sounds a little bit illegal. Yeah, right. <laughs> Depending on what year it was because she was there for a decade. You know what's the most horrible truth that I've discovered lately is that um, that the good guys always win. Or That's a that, horrible that, truth? A, ho- a horrible lie, sorry. Oh. That you, can, that you can't treat your customers and your employees like shit and expect to be in business. That's a lie. You totally can do that, and you could still be in business. Yeah. There's... You're incentivized to do so. Yeah, exactly. That it's, it's pretty weird, man. So I'm like, okay, is that just because the good people aren't fighting hard enough? Or is it because they're they're thinking that they're, they're, there's some gold brass ring that they're going to get to? Or, like, I don't know, man. The it's, people not worrying about the people under them are worried about yeah, the brass ring more than no, them? No, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, there is... I, I'm going to be starting another job uh, next week. Okay. So I'm going to have two jobs. I'm going to be working my ass off for three days out of the week, so I have four days to do comedy. Okay. Because I'm never at any of these showcases and stuff like that. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me they don't get booked a lot because apparently... Unless you're right in front of somebody, they don't. Oh, I forgot that you were coming. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of so, true, though. Uh, yeah. The so between that plus the DoorDash and the Uber Eats that I'm doing, and then comedy, I have five sources of income. They're all kind of trickling in, right? <laughs> Some more than others. So somebody was like, uh, there was a pain in the ass customer that comes into the restaurant. Like, you just got to deal with it, man. This is just how the business is. I'm like, no, no, I don't have to deal with it. I, yeah. I don't. I could assault this person. I'll go to jail. But <laughs> I, I want to make it a point that every time this guy thinks about beef brisket, he bursts into tears. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, why did somebody hit me? I'm like, no, I want him to play the victim because as much of an asshole that he was and stuff. Because yeah. I want him to live with that lie even more so or hopefully have a heart attack. <laughs> but either way, it, it's it's kind of weird. The more I keep thinking about it, I'm like, no, you don't have to deal. Why? Why? Why is why? Why is it that we think that the way that shit works is the way that it has to work? You know it's, I, mean? I mean, but like with that thing, like, where do you, I mean, like it's, are you a bartender? What do you do? Uh, wait tables. Yeah. Bartender. So it's like, you're the elbow. You're like the, the shit, like you, you're where shit collects, yeah. you know, like anybody above you gets getting paid, but gets to like tell you what to do. And anybody below you is like telling you, you don't get to tell me what to do. Yeah. Like you were definitely at the shit apex right. of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, uh, but you know, like. I don't know. I always think about that. I don't want to get too deep on this, but like capitalism, mm-hmm. it's never going to, it's not designed to have to worry about how it's making its money. It only has to worry about that it's making money. Right. And the easiest way to do that is to fuck over a lot of people. Right. Well, this is the weird thing is that it wasn't, you could work people like 12, uh, 15, 16 hours a day and not give them any days off and stuff until a bunch of guys got together and there were riots in the streets, cops our paid policemen were played to break up these protests and stuff. And then suddenly you have unions and you have a five day work week and you have overtime <laughs> and you have vacation pay and you only have an eight hour work day instead of a 12 or 14, which has kind of gone away. Uh, so it's kind of like, all right, does it take like you can bully Rioting. somebody around a long time and you can actually, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know this, but bullying is freaking awesome. I don't know uh-huh. if you've ever bullied anybody, but it feels great. Until they punch you in the face, and yeah. then suddenly they fight back against you, and then suddenly it doesn't feel so great anymore. Yeah, that's 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 the truth. You can, you shouldn't bully that kid. Have you any idea how fucking fun it is? Do you feel how good it feels to push this person around? No, then shut up. 
All right, until that person gets finally stands up for themselves and like, oh shit, okay. I think it's there's rumblings of that. I think some of the stuff that uh, propelled Trump forward were rumblings of that. Oh yeah, totally. I think the things that Bernie Sanders was talking about were rumblings of that. Like, Those guys were like opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah. Know. Where the, where it is like you are getting fucked, and you certainly are. Yeah. Um, to any to what extent or the reason why is up for how debate. How much of it is your doing versus how much is some something you know the way the system is? That's a different. Story. I happen to think that a lot of it. I think that you can empower yourself a self a great deal just by taking part in shit. Yeah. I think people who are like, I'm not going to vote, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, are leaving a ton of fucking political capital on the table. Oh yeah, and they have no fucking idea that they're just letting evangelical people run, you know, like have a lot of influence on politicians mm-hmm. when they themselves could have the same sort of impact on politicians if they cared enough. Right. Like if you were, uh, if I don't know, like anything you want, you could get in this country. I believe it's just going to, it's a matter of how hard it is. You have to fight for it. And if, 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 if you're, if you want like a minimum wage to be raised, mm-hmm. I think if you fought, if you made that found enough people who thought the same way and mobilized them, I think you could get it done. Yeah. Which they're doing in a lot of places. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing, but it's also, the odds aren't with you. Yeah. I think I, I don't think that that's uh, well. The odds are never with us, right? We're always going to be fighting. Exactly, and I think, but I think that's empowering. I always thought like there's a lot of people who got scared by the idea of what happened with Donald Trump. Uh, just you know, some of the things he stands for, people assume mm-hmm. he stands for. But I think it's heartening because a bunch of people got somebody in office that the establishment didn't want, mm-hmm. and maybe it wasn't the right guy, but it was somebody who was fi- was. That something that the establishment didn't want. Right. So if there's enough energy behind any thought around any cause, I think you could have that same sort of influence. And I, I think that anybody who thinks the other way is disempowering themselves and doesn't understand that they – Trump got elected on 20 percent of the vote in yeah. this country. If you want – I think – I'm empowered by, like, what's happening. I think it's great. You're here first. He's a big Trump fan. No, I'm Not just a Trump fan. No, I'm, I know that. I'm, 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 just a, I'm a, a United States fan. I think that uh, – it got pushed the wrong way, but there's people that are angry. Yeah. And I think that they could be – I think if the Democrats would have put in Bernie Sanders, would have they would easily. have spoken to a lot of people that were angry. Exactly. So but who knows how that would have ended up, you know, but I would like to think it would have been better, but who knows. But then again, everybody always feels that way about their candidate, so – I think uh, so, but also I didn't, you know, I, uh, we'll, we won't go into it. But all right. well, we'll save that for another time, man. You definitely got to come back on, and we'll talk more. We'll get uh, didn't know anything. You didn't get any questions about me, I guess, but we could come back and do that. Yeah, exactly. At some <laughs> point, to actually get the we'll start the actual podcast the next time you come back. So. Just a bunch of jibber jabber, and I guess, but I thought I had a good time. No, man, I loved having you here, man. I love to I enjoy talking with you. Yeah. Uh, do you got uh, anything uh, as far as like any shows coming up? Any uh, Twitter uh, handles, things like that? No, I mean, if you just look. The letter I, the letter M, and then Patrick Scott on like Instagram and Twitter and probably anything else, I'll be on that. Okay, yeah, definitely follow. I'll put him on the liner notes, guys. And don't forget to follow me at Disjointed Films and also our, you know what? I'll follow me at the DCPN because I really, I've been trying to get the numbers up on that and I really need the help with that. So I know I got listeners from the Russian Federation this past week. So if you guys do me a solid, right, ask Putin to follow me on Twitter. At the DCPN. Don't forget to check out denvercomedy.net. That's where you're going to find great podcasts from the Denver Comedy Podcast Network, such as Use Your Words with Barry Quattlebaum and Jake Hamill. Uh, we have uh, Demand the Cure with Amy Blackwell. Uh, there's a bunch of great broadcast geeks is on there. Comedy in the Paint with Jeff Albright. A lot of great stuff, guys. Check it out. It's all free. All there for you at denvercomedy.net. So, signing off for the Disjointed Podcast, I'm Dave Germain. I'm Patrick Scott, and get Putin to follow me, too. That'd be cool. Yeah, there you go. Have a great week.